Welcome back to another episode of Boot Please with Corinne here. And today I have a very special guest, one of my favorite people in the world. We literally can't get through a couple sentences without dying. So we'll see how this episode goes. But he is someone who just has a really big heart and has done a lot of really good work in personal development and developing talent, not only in corporations, but in um, like one-on-one settings. He does a lot of goal coaching, vision and goal coaching. And so I figured I have him on today to share his expertise on that. And as a guy, I mean, mainly for my male audience, I know that it can be very hard to open up, to be vulnerable, and you guys might not know where to start. So I have this very woke person here to walk you through (laughs) it. And hopefully you can walk away with some really tangible skills that you can apply in your life to help you become more open, more emotionally available, and just a better fucking person. You know, we're just trying to be good people here. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, before we get started, let's let's hear from you. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Chris, and... um, I like to think uh, that, I, that I'm a people, culture, and recruiting specialist. Those are all the things I love to do. Um, as you can tell, it's everything to do with people. I, I love people, I love being around people, I love talking to people, um, and, and more importantly, uh, anything where people can grow and develop, I'll be there in some way, some form. Um, so where I come from, I actually uh, grew up in the Lululemon system uh, worked my way up from a part-timer all the way up to an assistant manager here in Toronto. And um, after that, I pursued a different opportunity in more of the HR realm um, with Myo Detox, another local Canadian Toronto company. And <clears throat> here I am now um, as a strategist on my own and uh, working to help businesses grow and develop. Yeah, I have had the pleasure of working as one of Chris's employees. I used to work in retail stores at Lululemon, and he is honestly, you're one one of my favorite people that I've ever worked for. It's just always been so much fun to go to work knowing that Chris is going to be there. He brightens everyone's days up, and your ability to take on different roles is like always something that I've admired about you. Oh, thanks. But you're welcome. (laughs) But lately, it's changed really drastically, specifically with you becoming a father mm-hmm. to a little girl. She's so cute. She's got like forearm rolls. I don't know how that's possible <laughs> anatomically, but she has folds in her forearms. Um, so like what's changed? Everything. Everything fundamentally has changed about wow. me, about my life, about my relationships. Um, and I think most importantly, my relationship with myself. Mm. Um, I... Before Zoe was born, her name's Zoe, by the way. Um, before Zoe was born, there, I was, I was kind of like, I was just in the grind. I was going to work, putting my head down, just doing work. And and when you're done work, you kind of unplug and and um, just go about your life. And and there were a lot of things that I loved that I kind of stopped doing. And um, not because I w- was sad about them didn't want to do them it was just like eh, no time uh, the classic excuse of being too busy mm. and and it wasn't until one day i was sitting on i was so proud of myself i built beautiful adirondack chairs um and for our balcony and i was just like yeah i'm gonna relax on these i'm gonna put them on our balcony uh we're 16 floors up so it's not that high but it's still pretty high so i have an underlying fear of heights it's not debilitating it's not 
it's not bad per se, but I was sitting, relaxing, chilling, having my coffee, and I was just on on the balcony alone, and I had I was about to get up, and I had this thought of like, what if a freak accident? What if wind a wind gust picks me up and throws me over the edge, and I'm dead, and I'm not there for Manny. I'm not there for our baby on the way, and I can't be there for my job, uh, family, everything. And all these thoughts started going through my head and it amplified my fear of heights even more to the point where I was paralyzed on, on the on the seat. Oh I was gripping my beautiful new Adirondack chair and couldn't move. I couldn't get up. Wow. And I kid you not, it was probably one of the first times in my life that I've ever been paralyzed with fear. Yeah. Like I've never experienced that. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And I thought of it as like, okay, cool, one-time thing. So after about 10 minutes of sitting there and just freaking out. Spiraling. Spiraling. Yeah. I managed to kind of get up and barely make it back inside. Like I kind of like, I want to say I crawled, but I really didn't. I, pro- I probably was like hunched over like a like oh, Quasimodo wow. trying to get back into the house. Um, and after that, I was just like, okay, that wasn't normal. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I, I kind of like sat on it for a couple of weeks, talked to Manny about it, <clears throat> and I was just like, maybe I'm just like really scared of heights. And then like mm-hmm. the next day, I managed to go outside, stand on the balcony, look down, like I was fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a couple more instances with it too, like the same type of thing, mm-hmm. but this time it was the subway. So I spoke to a couple friends, and someone recommended to go to therapy, and mm-hmm. I was like therapy I've like never really thought of that which is crazy to me because Chris you've done so much personal development outside mm-hmm. of therapy like you've gone to workshops you've done things like landmark you which is like a personal development kind of course mm-hmm. and you do vision and goals you talk about fears with people on a regular basis so what do you think was barring you from considering therapy as a primary option it was it's just when you think of it it was so taboo um it's just not something that you you would normally go to like i i've been exposed to a lot of people who've been to therapy and i understand that it's a really really great thing Mm -hmm. and it should be the number one way to treat any sort of mental illness and um even knowing that i was just like i don't need to go like why me i don't need to go i'm fine and it was always just that I'm fine, I'm fine. And really, like, is this, like, these these couple instances, like, that, I'm not fine. <laughs> that, yeah. That's not normal, right? In in my 30 years of life, how many times has that happened? Mm. It's happened twice. And like, oh, it's happened within the past two weeks. Like, yeah. something's up. And it's debilitating. Like, when a thought crosses the barrier of being mental and into the physical realm when it stops you from doing things Mm -hmm. that's when it's really fucking scary because that's all we have is everything is in our mind our reality our existence our like sense of purpose everything is in our mind but Mm -hmm. once it starts to permeate into the physical realm and affect like our actions and our lives in such a real way it's so freaking scary yeah it's terrifying it was 
I, I just didn't really understand what was going on. Right. It was like, Confusing. is it a movie I watch? Am I suddenly scared of things because of, like, I don't know, I watch too much Netflix? Or... Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think it's Netflix. I don't think you can blame Netflix. You gonna sue Netflix now? <laughs> you did this to me! <laughs> no, but um, actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with someone, and he's a guy, he's someone who's been struggling with his mental health, struggling with um, this idea of sobriety, um, so he's been dealing with some addiction, and I asked him about therapy. I was like, "Have you ever considered talking to a therapist?" And he mentioned, or he described it in such a way that really struck me. Mm-hmm. And he said, "No, I don't want to see a therapist because that would be admitting I have a problem. That would feel like defeat." Mm-hmm. Were his exact words. And I remember looking at him and just wondering, like, what? How did you arrive at this? understanding of therapy for someone who's never gone to therapy to have such a like a to have such a perception of it is such a disservice Mm -hmm. to him and i'm sure he's not alone i'm sure lots of guys girls out there all see therapy or healthcare professionals in the same way um so what would you say to people that are feeling that way and can you identify with that yeah totally identify with that it was I don't. Wouldn't say it was. It was the exact same feeling as him, but it was very much like I'm. Like I'm good. Why? Mm. Why should I go? Almost like waste the time of the therapist if I'm good. Right. It was almost like like what am I going to really get out of it because I'm fine. Mm, that's that's how a lot of our brains rationalize things. Yeah. I think people do that not only with therapy, but with nutrition, with exercise. Like, oh, like I don't need to go. I walk a lot, so I don't need to work out. Mm-hmm. You know? They're just <laughs> in deep denial about the, the reality of their circumstance. And actually a really common one in uh, nutrition is veganism. A lot of people will go, will switch to a plant-based diet they will feel good in the beginning, but over time, the deficiencies and the imbalances add up and they'll start to experience things like anemia or low energy or B, B vitamin deficiency and things mm-hmm. like that. But they're just in such deep denial that they're like, no, 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 it's because I need to be more strict. I need to eat even less selection of foods. Like that's the solution. But it's like, in reality, no, you just need to do this one thing that you've been avoiding, which is maybe adding some animal proteins into your diet. Mm-hmm. That's just one example. I'm not saying all vegans experience that but it's so interesting how our brains can convince us that we're fine mm-hmm. or that we have things under control when yeah. we really don't yeah and for the first thing i learned from therapy was that everything comes down to the relationship that you have with yourself mm. right? and my therapist always told me she's just like you don't like it, everyone's so used to being like, oh, I'm gonna cut things out. I'm gonna stop myself from doing this. I'm gonna not allow myself to do something or a bad habit or bad behavior. And really, that's just hurting your relationship with yourself. Mm. Right? And she said, let's be kind. Let's be kind to ourselves. And from there, I was just like, wait, be kind. I don't even understand that concept of being kind to myself. And, and, like what do I do from there how do I be kind to myself Mm. when I'm I've struggled with my weight my whole like my whole life and it's like oh like should I like I want to go to the gym but should I punish myself for not making it to the gym that day Mm. and that's like the the typical way that people um, 
and hold themselves accountable. So. It's so true. I think, I don't know if it's specific to immigrant parents, but I definitely know that my parents used punishment as such a motivator growing up. Mm-hmm. Like it was never like, oh, if you work hard, we'll get you this like as a reward, like the positive reinforcement. Mm-hmm. It was always like, if you don't work hard and you get a bad grade, we will kick you out. <laughs> or like, you are not gonna get dinner or, you know, things like that. They, they wouldn't actually not feed me, but there was that fear tactic being used or like, we'll give you the silent treatment or we'll be so mad at you yeah. that, you know, you'll just like hate yourself kind of thing. Um, and that's, yeah, that's really unfortunate. It kind of carries with us even as adults. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people do this in the health and wellness sphere too, is like you said, everything is punishment based it's like this this fear of failure drives us to mm-hmm. be successful and it works for a couple of years or it works for a while but eventually you'll burn out it's and tiring absolutely people like to like hurt themselves quote unquote hurt themselves mm-hmm. in order to help create habits and stop bad habits yeah or we'll force ourselves to believe that if we don't do this we're not good enough or that we will lose the people that we love because they'll find out we're not good enough yeah. you know things like that and all of it is just so negative and it at the end of the day it doesn't actually work it feels like it's working only because that's all you know but ultimately it's not effective because you will burn out and you will lose that sense of purpose that interest Mm -hmm. and so in the long run you're doing yourself again a a disservice yeah um okay when you were obviously when you realized that you needed to go to therapy um did you talk to manny about that first what was that conversation like i feel like for a lot of people um letting their loved ones know that you know, they need to seek out this particular service can be very intimidating. It can be a daunting conversation. Mm-hmm. How did you initiate that? Um, luckily for me, my relationship with Manny is so open to the point where mm. I just told her, I'm like, hey, babe, I think I'm going to go to see a therapist. And she's like, cool. What night? <laughs> like, that was like the only thing. And there wasn't really right. much to it. It was more... Um, sharing with others after mm. it was sharing with co-workers sharing with friends and family i think family was probably one of the hardest yeah. um and just letting people know and and it's the thing that's really stopped me from telling my my parents right away was like it was just the whole what society what society does to you when you say i'm going to see a therapist another another thing that stops like almost stopped me at the beginning from telling people was the fact that people always answer with like, why don't you just talk to a friend? Mm. Why don't you just go like, go, like I want to kill them. Go talk to a buddy. It's like, sure, like I can confide in you and trust you not to say anything. Yeah. But that's not what I'm worried about. Right. right? It's not even actually. Let me rephrase. It's not even anything that I'm worried about. It's it's the fact that these healthcare professionals are just that they're professionals mm-hmm. right they're able to understand uh your pain your grievances and they're 100%. able to take that and and really analyze it yeah and help you with it yeah right like would you go to your friends to get a heart surgery done <laughs> no but your brain is one of your most important organs in your body mm-hmm. why wouldn't you go to a professional for that yeah. what's more important than that it's it's crazy to think that everything that we know as we know it in our lives come from the brain. If your brain decided to just stop seeing the color blue one day, you'll never see the color blue ever again. 
that's your brain doing that shit. (laughs) So, I mean, it's not that, like, therapy, you know, corrects all these ailments. It is an important way to stay ahead of, you know, mental health and Mm -hmm. mental conditions. Right. Yeah, because those really impact your reality and the people around you, the relationships around you, too, and your potential. It's really unfortunate. Okay, well, as a parent, what would you want to impart on Zoe when it comes to personal development and therapy and talking about feelings and all that? Hmm. I think as a parent, so that was actually one of the other contributing factors to why, why I went to therapy was um, I wanted to just be in a good mind space and headspace for for Zoe and, and for Manny, really, because um, there was all this talk of like when you're leaning up to um, someone giving birth, there's all these people, all these opinions saying how um, like things are going to be tough. You have to, uh, like, it's always about the mom, always about the baby. It's always mm. about the mom, the baby. And I, like, don't get me wrong, it's 100% like, true. As it should be. <laughs> yeah, 100% true. And there's a reason why no one talks about the dad. Because really, in the trifecta of the relationship that that is a new young family is dad doesn't really matter in this case because mom has to push out the baby Mm. and the baby has to you have to keep the baby alive so those are the number the two most important things and i really didn't want to burden manny with having to check in on me so i wanted to learn tactics techniques Things that really would help me mm. check myself, help me with my with my mental health yeah. during a time that's unknown, stressful, difficult, new, new. Yeah. and like I just really didn't want to put that on Manny and Zoe at that time. So right. I was like, you know what? Let's get ahead of this. Let's be preventative and figure things out ahead of time, and know that I have the option to go to therapy. When, when the baby's here. Mm-hmm. Right? I love that because I don't want to undermine the role of a father. I feel like fathers are so freaking important, you know, for the baby, for the mom. You're there for emotional support, and that's why it's usually done with the father present. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... Anyway, I, can't, I feel like I don't have any right to weigh in on the family structure because I don't have one. But I just feel like it's so important. I wouldn't want to go through that alone is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. If I were to have a baby, I don't want to go through that alone. And you're right. The very bare minimum that people can do as fathers in that scenario is to take care of yourself first and foremost. Yeah. Because I, the last thing I need is to take on your shit, deal with my own shit, and deal with the baby's shit. <laughs> That's just three people's shits that we can't, yeah. that I can't handle. And most of the times, I don't hear fathers really talking about, you know, feeling like a burden or feeling like lost and not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you talked to any of your friends who were becoming fathers about this? Is this like a common thing? Yeah, um, it's something. So a couple friends of mine are are dads and um, they became dads ahead of me. And what's the hardest thing about being a dad for you personally mm-hmm. nothing to do with your baby nothing to do with your with with your wife girlfriend whatever and um <clears throat> they they all told me it's just like it was actually just the fear of two fears the fear of the baby um struggling or needing something and you're, you mm-hmm. don't know how to help the baby so that's every parent's fear 
I can't just classify that as a father thing. But the second thing was looking out for your partner. Right. Right. Looking out for like what like signs that they they needed a break. They needed um, to do something for themselves. And that, how can I look out for that in Manny if I can't even look for that myself? Right? So fucking true. It was terrifying. Yeah. So uh, I took their advice. And I'm just like, you know what? Like I'm just going to continue with this therapy thing, and I'm going to really figure out what what I like to do for myself. Hmm. So that I can fulfill that, mm-hmm. and then I can observe while I'm helping out Manny and just kind of figure things out and see, like, hey, you know what? She's not being herself. What does she need? Right. Right. What do you need from me right now? And and that's probably one of the best questions you can ask. Yeah. In in a situation as a new parent, asking the other parent, like, what do you need from me right now? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a I need you to go away and shut up. <laughs> And sometimes it's That's hard. <laughs> and sometimes it's a I like I just need to go out, grab a coffee and, and be alone for fifteen minutes. It's mm. like cool. Um, why do you think it took having a baby for you to realize that you don't know how to not care for yourself? Obviously you do. <laughs> Did you dress yourself today? <laughs> no, nope, not at all. <laughs> no, but like to like be able to listen to your needs or hear your needs. Um, I, I think it's the responsibility of being being a parent, and I had moments way before I discovered that I needed to be uh, needed to go to therapy that I would think of Zoe, or we didn't have a name for the baby yet at that point, but I would think of having a baby, and I would look in the world and be like, "What have ah, I done? Yeah, how like how am I supposed to help this new human?" navigate through the world when I can barely navigate myself through the world I'm just like like I I spend too many hours at work I get stressed out about about work I uh, sometimes like forget about my relationships with my family just just because I'm busy like you lose sight of things and as you said the blinders when your blinders are on your blinders are really on and they're on so so secure and so tight that you lose track of things and Mm. that's normal Right? It's normal to lose track. It's normal to forget things. It's normal to kind of like ebb and flow with your relationships with different areas of your life. But I think therapy really helped me kind of like get back to it. It'll vastly improve other areas of your life with the other with your relationships and, and people in your life and your job. and Yeah, your ability to show up and work. Yeah, I feel like balance is such a buzzword these days people love to fucking talk about balance all day long balance my macros balance between being a parent being career oriented all of these things and i don't know i've been kind of preaching this thing that balance is dead like anytime you're choosing one part of your life to balance you're weighing it against all the other parts Mm -hmm. when in reality they're all important you are just as important as your kid your ability to be Chris yourself is mm-hmm. just as important as being Chris the father and Chris the husband. And so when you're saying, when they're saying, oh, I don't have time to like do things for myself, it's not a balance. It's not that you being a father outweighs you being a person. Mm-hmm. Is It's all harmony. Like you have to work on harmonizing everything rather than balancing everything. And harmonizing just means that when you are being Chris the person, you're also indirectly working on being Chris the father. 
It's true. Yeah, and you're being Chris the friend, Chris the husband, Chris the son, whatever it is. So when you approach it that way, it everything seems more doable because mm-hmm. you're you're not saying I choose this over this right now. That can create a lot of guilt. Um, whereas you're saying I'm doing this so that I can do this, right. so that I can be this. And I just found that personally that has created a lot more peace within within my heart because I think as like a young woman, you know, um, I'm like approaching 30, fuck my life. <laughs> <laughs> like finding a family or a relationship is the first thing that my parents will ask me every time they see me. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always used to tell them like, no, I don't have time for that right now. It's just, I don't want to, whatever. I want to work on my career. But in reality, I do believe that by be, by me working on my career and exploring all these things to do with my job and loving my job to, to the fullest and doing it the best I can, I'm also attracting a partner who's maybe in the same boat or who can relate to that or who mm-hmm. respects that. So it's not that I'm choosing my work over having a romantic relationship. It's that I'm doing one so that it leads me to the other too, mm-hmm. indirectly. All right. Well, out of all of your years of working with people, because kind of going back to your career right now, Mm -hmm. you work with people, you work with people in culture, you develop people in culture. Why do you think it's important to develop culture and people within a company? I think it's it's probably the more it's more important than than anything else in the company. Mm -hmm. Um, More important than branding, marketing, finances. Yeah, without people, you don't have any of that. Mm, without people, you don't have the ability to spread your brand, to, to grow your brand, to have brand advocates and, and people who will live, breathe, and die with your brand outside outside of the four walls of your workplace. Wait, what companies are you working for? <laughs> <laughs> You're working for some... Uh, crematories cemeteries <laughs> I want to be buried here <laughs> yeah and and if you think about it it's just like um, culture and people in, in, in the company is so important because um, it's so such a buzzword now you have to love your job you have to like it's it's true people when people love being somewhere they spend more time there mm-hmm. right and and I don't mean it physically, like oh, I spend like I spend twelve hours at the office because I love it here. It's not about that. It's like yeah. you put forth more effort, you care more, right. you do better work, and it's because of the culture, because of the people mm. um, in the company, and that allows the company to thrive, grow, attract more talent. Right. Okay, and within that. What are some tools that you've used and found really helpful in helping to develop that culture and develop people? I think it starts with um, it's number one thing in, in, in strategic HR. It's most companies have it. You see it a lot now. It's um, having uh, a vision, mission, and values. Those are mm-hmm. like the most most important things. It's it's like a rally cry. It's something that people can kind of when they start to lose their way like oh why the hell am I doing this project they kind of get a reminder of why and they they use the vision to realign themselves and get back on track and like oh Mm. this is why I'm doing this this is why I've worked 80 hours for the past three weeks what do you think about people implementing that in their personal lives like having a mission a vision and values oh I think values mission vision values at on a personal level are so 
so important because mm-hmm. it's the same thing as a company. Like, how are you going... If you lose track of why you're doing the things you're doing, then you're literally just a person doing things. You exist. <laughs> you exist. And, like, I'm not saying that's a bad way of life, but at the same time, if you have goals and ambitions and things that you want to work towards, it's not not the best way to get there. And it's mm-hmm. not... Um, not a very quick way to get there absolutely and when you say mission vision and values do you mean like vision boards <laughs> like oh my god you're gonna make a vision board on pinterest <laughs> if you want to if using pinterest and okay. being super basic is your thing <laughs> you can't Vision, I, like, I'm not gonna no lie. hate for Pinterest. No hate. Yo, I Pinterest love, is sick. Yeah, that's that shit will like plan anything <laughs> out of Pinterest. Like um, I'm not gonna lie, I've done a vision board before. I've done, I've actually done numerous vision boards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just whatever you find um, that works for you. And right? having and like defining what the prize is is what allows you to work backwards from mm-hmm. there. That's like a very fundamental thing. I implement. A mandatory goal coaching session with all of my one on one clients because if you don't know what you're working for, then how the hell are we how do how do we know we're on the right track? How do we know that you're progressing towards where you want to be? If you don't know what that looks like, if you just say, I just want to be healthy, I just want to lose weight, well what does that mean? What does that afford you? <laughs> yeah. Why would you, why would that benefit your life in any way? If the more complete you're able to create that kind of vision or that mission and those values, the more motivated you're going to be. And motivation isn't like reading a quote or looking at before and after photos or looking at the number on the scale. It needs it comes from knowing your why. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Simon Sinek has a great book, Start With Why. It comes from knowing why the hell are you even doing this uncomfortable, annoying thing? Why are you stepping out of your comfort zone? Um, for me, uh, what I loved about vision and goals and values is learning that it isn't static. I think before I had crazy commitment issues when it came to writing things like that down and be mm-hmm. like, oh, if these are my values, then that's it. <laughs> I can only pick five and I, I can't ever change them. This is the person I have to be for the rest of my life. <laughs> and it's like, no, Corinne, if you grow and evolve, then fucking change out those values. You don't mm-hmm. have to stick to them. Same thing with the vision um, statement. I remember when we were at Lulu, we did that. So basically we had to paint um, a picture of what like our five year and 10 year goals would look like. Mm-hmm. So a day in the life of you <laughs> five or 10 years from now. And I look back on some of those and I'm like, oh God, I do not <laughs> want that whatsoever. Yeah. But at the time, it was good to spell it out and like make it so clear. What are some resources you would recommend for people to define their mission, vision, and values? Um, I would suggest that everyone starts with understanding what a SMART goal is. Mm. Um, I think using the SMART goal format, it's it's been used so many times by so many people and it just works. Um, you you when you're creating your goals, you, they have to be specific. They have to be measurable. They have to be how do you spell smart? again? Speaking of smart and not smart. <laughs> Wait, how many degrees do you have? <laughs> Two. Work here, my third. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, a. They have achievable. to be achievable. They have to be realistic, and they have to be timely. Um, yeah, that's definitely one resource. Reading the book or watching the TED Talk by Simon Sinek. That's called Start with Why. That's also another really good one. 
And I recommend going through these exercises with a friend. I yeah. think when, again, those blinders are on, when you're writing your own goals down, you, you could look at it and be like, oh, that's so like authentic and realistic. <laughs> so, so far we've talked a lot about personal development and this idea of improving yourself or bettering yourself. <clears throat> what would you say are three things or three benefits of personal development that you've experienced that you wish other men in your shoes or like you would know in order for them to get started on their journey. I want everyone, like men, women, everyone to experience this. It's just that feeling of going and knowing that you have a therapy appointment. Everyone lives such regimented lives where it's like, we have 20 minutes to do this, 30 minutes to do this, we have to be here by this time, be here by that time, that it's so easy to forget about yourself. Right. And when you have this dedicated hour and you have so much time to spend with yourself with your your therapist figuring out whatever you want to figure out i get that not everyone's going to experience that because sometimes like we talked about you know talking about our feelings can feel traumatic Mm -hmm. it can feel like a burden at first it will you'll go through that that's okay because you're working through how to verbalize or communicate what you're feeling if it's your first time doing it it's not fucking easy we didn't get this good at communicating with our loved ones just naturally it took a lot of work it took a lot of fumbling with our words Mm -hmm. and getting things wrong and then having to correct ourselves it's okay therapy is that space where you can make it whatever you want to there's no such thing as failure you can't fail at therapy unless you don't show up, unless you don't do it, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Yeah, and then the other thing I wanted to say was when it comes to therapy, it's totally normal that you would want to shop around a little bit for different therapists. I think it's so important that you're able to build a relationship with your your therapist because you need to trust them with Mm -hmm. talking about whatever topics, all the topics, the heavy Mm -hmm. topics, the light topics, and you want to be able to connect with them in easy in easy way mm-hmm. it needs to be 100%. it needs to be i can't say it needs to be very very simple and, and and effortless but it needs to be someone that you can that understands your personality and that you understand their personality that you want to open up to mm-hmm. like for me there's no fucking way i can get through a therapy session without swearing so if you're someone if you're a therapist who can't stand that or you just have a very visceral adverse reaction to when i say fuck or shit or bitch then we're not a good fit because I need to be able to express myself as needed and have you understand where I'm coming from and I've gone through a few therapists I don't have anything bad to say about any of them but sometimes it's not a good fit it's you just need to try different ones and when you find your person you'll know it's like a romantic relationship I'm guessing Uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right what's another benefit Uh, another benefit is it's just like improved self-confidence and Mm. self-worth and and I I don't think it really has anything to do with um, your like the content of of therapy Mm -hmm. right you can talk about whatever Right. As long as you're addressing um, whatever you need to address, I think confidence is built from that because you're lightening your load. You're letting things off. You're 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 able to free up space in your mind yeah. to be able to go and do other things that you maybe once loved or you wanted to do forever. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Confidence to me means mm-hmm. empowerment. Yeah. So the ability to 
or the power to do whatever the fuck I want. And part of that is communicating what you need, mm-hmm. right? When you, when you don't have the words, when you don't have the tools or the techniques or the skills, that's when you feel trapped. You're like, I don't know how to get out of this. I'm just in this really crappy place, but I don't know how to get out. <laughs> yeah. And that is very scary. Yeah. So you get a lot of confidence by confronting uncomfortable things, working through them, and coming out of it with tools and strategies to know that if this happens again, I'm good. I'm golden. Yeah. I know how to get myself out of it. I can do X, Y, Z, and I'm, I'm good. Yeah, that's confidence for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I love that. Second one is improving confidence. I think a lot of guys and girls out there are in desperate need of a confidence boost. Not like artificial likes on Instagram or people commenting telling you you're beautiful or hot or whatever, mm-hmm. but really coming from within knowing that you can handle whatever life throws at you that's confidence yeah it's just like i i know now i can have a kid be a goddamn father damn that is i can't even say that i'm not confident in saying that (laughs) it's like having a kid has actually really changed and really improved my confidence yeah what was that i was like i can be a cat mom she's napping back there right now (laughs) um all right what's the last benefit when you spend that time talking about you um you leave therapy and you you start to reflect and when you reflect you start to develop your empathy you start to develop compassion Mm -hmm. and you start to understand and perceive the world from other people's perspectives and that allows you to just make more sound decisions it allows you to um understand why you won't understand everyone but you'll start to understand a little bit more why other people do the things they do right and it just gives you perspective and the best example i can i can i can use is um i used to get really mad at people driving and and like i wouldn't say i have road rage but i'm just like why, why i wouldn't the say fuck I have road rage yeah. but i want to key their car after <laughs> like why the fuck are you doing this or why why are you like tailgating me all that stuff and like, i would get really angry at that and um i i started to think about it and just like think about why other people would be tailgating or in a rush to get get somewhere and i was just thinking about it, i'm just like maybe they're in an emergency or maybe they need to get somewhere or maybe they're late or maybe they they have to do something yeah. uh, that's super urgent and my mind just kind of like my perspective changed yeah i start to understand people and um it, it just helps make you uh, i can't say a better person but like it just helps you be more patient more understanding more thoughtful more caring um, so a better more, person. More compassionate. If that's <laughs> You're describing you... all the characteristics <laughs> of a better person. I'm not saying it'll make you a better person, but it'll make you more patient, more compassionate, a kinder human. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's a really good point. I think that's what the world really lacks right now. Every single thing starts with empathy. You have to be able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes and give them grace. And that starts with giving yourself grace, forgiving yourself. Because if you can't do that, then there's an underlying resentment, almost like, why should I give you grace if no one gave me? Mm -hmm. Or why should I forgive you if no one forgave me? Kind of thing. And that 
resentment is so toxic. It only makes everything, every experience in your life more miserable. You can be at like the most joyous occasion, doing the most fun thing with the people that really care about you, but that resentment is just gonna make that make it that it's never enough. That yeah. you can always deserve more, that you always need more in order to fill whatever void. Mm-hmm. My favorite thing that my therapist, not my favorite thing, it used to be so annoying, but now I've learned to embrace it, <laughs> is did they actually say that? So I'll tell a story. I'll be like, they said I'm an idiot. They said I'm ugly. And they'll be like, no, what were the exact words they said? And I'll be like, um, they just said they didn't want to come to my party. <laughs> you know? So That's you just true. really create so much narrative and someone's just there to be like, are you sure? <laughs> Do you hear yourself? <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I loved our conversation. Thank it you really for having me. Thanks. Um, we, I started off with an agenda to talk about like HR, about people development, but it really evolved into just talking about therapy and this idea of taking care of ourselves, particularly in men. And I love it. I think that this doesn't get talked about enough. You know, mental health does matter mm-hmm. and it is an epidemic. It is costly in that it costs people's lives and it costs happiness and it shouldn't because we have so many resources around us there are so many good people out there that are ready to help you if you are willing to accept it before i let you go though i'm going to play a rapid fire round of questions Mm -hmm. so first thing that comes to your mind these are very random questions (laughs) that i came up with ready yes three two one go where were you born toronto where? Which hospital? Mount Sinai. <laughs> what is your spirit animal? Uh, cookie Monster. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, how do you take your coffee? Um, coffee snob. I'm a coffee snob. I love Ethiopian beans and I love them on a lighter roast and with nothing in it. How do you drink it though? Like, is it like a, like, do you like drip coffee? Drip coffee and ice brew. Not cold wow. brew, ice brew. You look it up. You asshole. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite sport to watch? Basketball. That's a good one. Shit. Just world champs right now. No big deal. Yeah, Toronto, huh? Yeah, represent. Used to be hockey, but basketball. Basketball's more of a soap opera now. So yeah, true, sick. true, true, true. Uh, what would your last meal on Earth be? I actually last don't know this about Earth. you. Earth. <laughs> Is it buns? <laughs> Chris Chris used to come to work at Lululemon with those six for six dollar buns from those Asian bakeries. You know the kind where if you pay cash, they don't charge they tax. Have those little clamps in the. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, I would get them because it's six six for six dollars, and there's no and no tax. tax. You buy five, you're paying tax. That's you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so I would eat six buns. <laughs> Not good. I, no. I was very stressed as his friend. Like I'm so concerned about your liver and your heart and your arteries um last okay. meal on earth it would have to be sushi sushi mm. always <laughs> i would always eat sushi no matter what um <laughs> that reminds me of asian day asian so <laughs> on eight on january 1st Usually everything is closed except for Pacific Mall in Markham. If you're from Toronto, you know what's good. Um, That's a a mall with just Chinese Asian stores. So that's the only thing that's open on New Year's Day. And so Chris would drive a bunch of us downtown, uh, from downtown all the way up to Markham. Or you pick 
you'd pick us up from a subway mm -hmm. and he would drive us to Markham to Pacific Mall and we would spend a whole day together. Dim sum, sushi, bubble, bubble tea, tea um, uh, snacks. Uh, we went skating, I think, we too. So Asian. And then we ended the night off with all you can eat sushi. And I had never been that full in my life. I considered Ubering from Markham to downtown Toronto, which would have been a hundred dollar Uber. I considered it. I looked it up. I was like, I'm ready to pull the trigger. She almost pressed it. Yeah. Does anyone want to share this with me? Um, it was so funny. Um, but yeah, sushi. I, I, I could sushi. do that for you. Um, go to karaoke song. Uh, it would have to be something super basic, like Wonderwall or some shit like that. <laughs> I don't know why that's hilarious to me. Um, favorite place you've ever visited? San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Love San Diego. I've watched su sunset on um, sunset cliffs in La Jolla. Yeah. La Jolla was great and beautiful, but there was it was just really smelly because of all the sea lions. Oh. We're like you're surrounded yeah, yeah, yeah. by sea lions and they're just yeah. pooping everywhere and they're like, oh, what a beautiful sunset. And then you're... <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Um, what's a quote that motivates you? Um, what's a quote that motivates me? If people don't either love or hate your work, you haven't done anything. That's a good one. Yeah. Gotta ruffle some feathers. Second last question. If you weren't working in HR, what would you be doing? I would be a software engineer. Our last question. Favorite kombucha flavor or flavor combo I should try with kombucha? Oh, you've tried it before, but... Which one? Just ginger and turmeric. Is that how you say it? Okay. That's pretty basic. Ginger and turmeric? <laughs> Like, wow, waiting for, like, a mind-blowing combo. Like, turns out it's ginger and fucking turmeric. <laughs> That's my favorite. I find extra spicy ginger turmeric. Oh, yeah, okay. I like it when it rips your tongue. When it makes your insides hurt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that gas or is that my intestines? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode. Thank you, Chris, for being here and sharing your insight. And um, before we go, I want to plug you for the show. If anyone's interested in an HR strategist, in a phenomenal manager, people manager, culture developer, you can hit him up on LinkedIn at Chris10. That's T-E-N-N -N with two N's. Two N's. And uh, on Twitter, he is Christopher10. Christopher. Does anyone Christopher. call you Christopher? My mom when I'm in trouble. Oh. Christopher! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs>